This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash pockets. Fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Hey everyone, this is Dave Meyer, your host for On The Market, joined today by Kathy Fecky. Kathy, we have a bit of a double whammy today. We have an economist who, it turns out, is also a new investor. And I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. I thought when you said double whammy, you were talking about the uh, surfboard that hit my nose uh, that now... <laughs> I didn't want to bring that, was... that up. Is that That was... A double whammy or just one big just, whammy? It, what happened? A double whammy for the show. I've got my nose is double the size. It may be broken. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll <Okay>. find out <laughs> when I go get it checked. But, you know, maybe I'll come back with a new nose. Who knows? <laughs> so what what happened? Well, I learned to, to wake surf. And I got it. And it's called an endless wave. And it was like a dream come true. And I was just surfing forever. And I was in another state of mind. And I don't know, I didn't, whenever you fall, you should always cover your face. And mm -hmm. I didn't do a bad fall. But then the next thing you know, there was a board in my face. So no, no, but it was I'm worth sorry. every bit of pain. <laughs> All right. Well, if it's that great, I'm sure you'll be up to it again. Oh, yes, I will. You know something? I think I've technically had two nose jobs because I similarly, I got hit in the face with a baseball and shattered my entire face when oh my, I was a kid. That sounds terrible. And I had to get my whole nose reconstructed. Wow. And uh, 
Only recently, my mom was like, oh, I'm so glad that worked. And I was like, what do you mean? So glad it worked. She was like, oh, yeah, the doctor said there was like a 30% chance like it would never it wouldn't work. And your face would just be like all messed up until you were 18, which was 10 years later. So I'm glad it worked. But hopefully that doesn't happen to you. I mean, a free nose job. Who who wouldn't want that? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a double whammy today in terms of our guest. We have Orfe Divungi, who is a senior economist at Zillow. He's the former chief economist at the Illinois Policy Institute. And he is going to drop some interesting knowledge on us. He writes a lot about the economy in general, macroeconomics. He knows a lot about construction and new construction, and that's obviously playing a big role in the market right now. So we're going to talk to him about that. And we just found out that he also recently became a landlord. So I know we're going to have some questions for him because it's always interesting to see someone who studies the housing market and also invests in it. I cannot wait for this interview. I just think it's going to be so robust. Can't wait. Absolutely. I can tell you ahead of time that this is going to be a five-star interview. So appropriately, maybe give us a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. We greatly appreciate when you take a couple of minutes and help out the show like that. With no further delay, let's bring on Orfe. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly 
Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Orfe Divungi, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of On the Market. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm a big fan. Big fan of the show. Big fan of yours. I am completely shocked to hear that, but I'll take the compliment when I, where I could get it. I'm so glad that got recorded. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know. I'm going to be telling Bragging and Kathy about this later. Um, <laughs> But Orfe, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Zillow? Yeah, I'm a senior economist uh, at Zillow and Zillow Home Loans. And I work at, you know, looking at uh, the impact of the macroeconomic environment on uh, housing market participants, right? So buyers, sellers, landlords, renters, uh, and even developers uh, to try to understand what's going on and where the market's headed. And what? data points what pieces of the economy are you tracking most closely right now in that effort honestly just about everything that's related to housing but uh you know so anything related to housing zillow wants to know about it zillow tracks it uh, uh but the, you know, right now really is mortgage rates i just like everybody else we <laughs> want to know where mortgage rates are and where where they're headed why they are where they're at and where they're headed right um, because mortgages have a huge impact on housing demand and housing supply. By the way, very few people expected that we'll see the big, de- we would have seen a big decline in the number of existing homeowners coming on the market to sell their homes like we had, uh, in the past, uh, year and a half or so, right? And so mortgages have had a disproportionate impact on supply, uh, more, more than demand, uh, I would say in the last year or so. And so I, I keep track of all that. I look at, uh, I look at inflation, expected inflation and expected economic growth because they are, uh, they, they're leading indicators. They tell us where mortgage rates are headed. So I, for the record, have been completely wrong on my forecast of mortgage <laughs> rates where I thought they would come down this summer with inflation coming down. And I think we even have it on record of me thinking we're going to get down to below 6% by the end of the year, which I'm wrong. And I will say that publicly. It's the worst part of being on a podcast, by the way, is that everything we think and sometimes we're just like rambling off the cuff is all recorded. It's 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 terrible. That's right. You know, and I don't have the graphs and charts and data in front of me, although I guess <laughs> I should because you've made that very public and you have so much information for us to be able to go through. But it's been confusing. So where are where is Zillow? Where are you at this point on where rates are headed at least till the end of the year? Look, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury, uh, which of course mortgage rates tend to follow, Depends on economic, expected economic growth, but uh, also uh, where investors expect uh, future inflation is going to be. And if you look at inflation expectations, they've remained fairly stable, uh, slightly above the Fed's target. Uh, economic growth, on the other hand, uh, seems to be accelerating, right? Uh, and recession, recession risk is receding. And so that what does that do? Well, it causes desired investment to exceed, to grow faster than desired savings, and that pushes real rates and nominal rates higher. 
And so I expect that we're going to continue to see, you know, as long as economic growth remains uh, pretty strong. Uh, if you look at GDP now, the Atlanta Fed GDP now uh, estimates around 4.9%. Goldman Sachs forecast the GDP to be around 3.2% right now uh, in the in the third quarter. And so I think as long as economic growth remains pretty strong, uh, then uh, real interest nominal rates are going to continue to increase. And so will mortgage rates. I mean, what's keeping the economy so strong in this high rate environment? I, I would say most people were shocked. Most economists were expecting a recession by now. I, I think at least that's what I read. If we go back to last year, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be middle of next year. And then you, you quote GDP rates like that. That's, that's high. That's incredible. What's causing it? Is it, is it all the money printing or is it something else? So, so I think the first thing is, most econ- most economists, not all, <laughs> not all. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, it, it usually takes a shock to bring us into a recession, right? And you, no one can predict a shock, right? It's a shock because you know, by definition, it's a shock, right? It's, yeah. it's unexpected, uh, and so uh, I think most people expected the U.S. economy to start to slow down because you know uh, the Fed funds rate increases by increasing by. Five, uh, five and a quarter basis points in such a short period of time hasn't been, hasn't been seen since the 1970s, right? And every single time that's happened, you know, that we had a large increase in the Fed funds rate, you know, the economy ended up falling into recession. The consumer slowed down, right? Substantially. Um, and, and again, I, I, I'm saying we, we're looking at what are some factors? I think some factors. The labor market's been very strong. Wage growth has slowed, uh, you know, less than price growth. So real wages have increased. Uh, the stock market has been resilient. I mean, year to date, the S&P 500 is up uh, in, you know, double digit territory. And so, you know, wealth, non-housing wealth has increased. Housing wealth has also rebounded. The fact that supply has decreased more than demand means that house prices have been increasing again. Home equity is at a near all time high. And so uh, when people feel wealthy, they spend more. And so, you know, you have rising housing wealth, you have a, a, a very strong, uh, somewhat still strong labor market. Uh, and those factors contribute to pushing, uh, to helping the, supporting the consumer and pushing uh, growth higher. Uh, there are headwinds though, right? So, you know, as every good economist, you got to look at the other side of the coin. The headwinds are, uh, you know, the student loan repayment coming up. You have the surge in oil prices, uh, which are likely going to slow the consumer. You have another looming government shutdown. Uh, you also have tightening financial conditions that are likely to, uh, cause, uh, small and mid- mid- medium bi- businesses to pull back on hiring because look, they can't, maybe they can't expand. They can't get a loan to expand or to, uh, or in or, maybe in some cases they might have to fire or lay off some workers, right? And so, so you have these headwinds. Uh, I suspect the headwinds will not be large enough to push us into a recession given where we are, uh, currently. And so that's why I don't think we're going to, uh, see a big drop in mortgage rates like we saw every time, uh, basically the, the U.S. economy hits a wall. Well, here we are planning a show to talk to you about some new construction stuff. But now I have so many questions about, <laughs> about this macro stuff. So we'll get to it, everyone. I promise. I just had a couple of, of questions. 
So Orfe, you're saying, I, I agree with you about those headwinds. I'm also curious your thought on, you know, the UAW strike and if that could yeah, also add totally. to some, some of the headwinds. Um, but so does that mean you think that this will indefinitely postpone a recession or do you think it's just pushing it out into 2024? Uh, <laughs> again, <laughs> very, very impossible to predict, right? Uh, I think I think the consumer. If you talk to a lot of people, I mean, look at the the Fed's uh, summary of economic projections. Right, the revision is up. Right, they revise everything up. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is basically we have a strong consumer. We have a lot of headwinds, but with growth at four point nine percent. By the way, GDP now Atlanta Fed GDP now is rarely very wrong. Right, so uh, with growth at at four point nine percent, there's a big buffer. Huge. Uh, by the way, you look at job openings; they still vastly exceed. Uh, the number of available workers out there, right? Big buffer. They'll have to come down a lot before we start to see a big jump in the unemployment rate. Uh, layoffs would have to increase. You look at uh, unemployment claims, which are a good uh, leading indicator of what's, what we're going to see in the jobs report. You know, they're coming down. Yeah, they dropped huge last week. It's crazy. Exactly. So I would say, um, you know, to, to, to the listeners out there, uh, I think the risk is more on the upside than the downside. And so, you know, uh, you know, I talked to our forecasting team at Zillow and I say, look, you know, I think uh, we should think about mortgage rates uh, increasing maybe 30 to 60 basis points. Maybe, you're right, no one can predict where mortgage rates are going. So uh, uh, I'm just kind of like thinking out there, how much of all of this activity uh, is already priced in to mortgage rates? I don't know. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather be on the cautious side and say, okay, Mortgages are going to be a little bit higher and that's okay. That's okay. We should, I think we should be okay with that. Uh, you know, 7% is the norm and not the exception. Uh, and if we get a productivity increases like we saw in the second quarter, I mean, you saw the, you know, the improvement in productivity. Uh, you have AI coming. You, you know, uh, if you see all these improvements in productivity, what we'll, we're likely to see is income growth. Uh, real income growth, real wealth increasing sufficiently so that people can, will become kind of indifferent or accustomed to that 7%, totally. right? Uh, affordability will improve. Remember affordability, if you measure it as, uh, you know, cost, housing cost as a share of income, if income is rising, then affordability improves, right? And so, uh, I think we should get used to this new normal. Uh, the sooner we get, the, the sooner we get there, we make that shift. Uh, it, oh my gosh, it, the, I love this. <laughs> I love this because so often in real estate, we're like, oh, we just want rates to come down. And for them to come down, we kind of have to see that recession. And people have been hoping for that. But there is the other side of what if we just grow our way out of it and become, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things become more affordable because we're all making more money. Look, one thing I tell people, I, I was doing a, a panel recently on this. I say, look, w- when have mortgage rates fallen drastically, right? The bursting of the dot-com bubble, the start of the Great Recession. Uh, I don't want to go back to September 2008. Nope. And in March 2020, I I really don't want to go Please back to no. March 2020. Right? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> right? You know, we forget that with recessions come job losses. And job losses are a big negative for housing demand. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and so I think I'd rather see, uh, a, a strong U.S. consumer because a strong U.S. consumer is a big positive for housing demand. 
which is why it seems Zillow has been coming out with uh, projections that actually home prices are going to go up. That that was a recent report that yeah, right? no, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the impact of mortgage rates so far, uh, mortgage rates have had a bigger negative impact on supply than on demand. Uh, if you could buy or refi when rates were at record loads, you, you did. Mm-hmm. It was the leverage of a lifetime. And so uh, a recent Zillow survey shows that 80% of homeowners have a mortgage rate under 5%. Uh, and the survey also found that owners are twice as likely to sell if their rate is above 5%. So we're seeing new listings very, very low, uh, when compared to normal. And so, uh, you're not seeing a lot of existing homeowners wanting to sell their homes. Uh, they're enjoying that, that they, they're, you know, they're keeping that low monthly mortgage payment. Uh, and so I think as long as we continue to see that, uh, you're likely going to see uh, that upward uh, price pressure. It's so interesting talking about supply because we, we talked a little bit, touched a little bit on demand, and I can see it going a couple different ways because there are a lot of unanswered questions about the economy. But with supply, I, I just can't figure out like what would move it. And I actually saw Zillow uh, released a survey recently saying that you know they thought somewhere around 5%, 5.5% is where they might people start might listing their homes again. I don't think that's coming anytime soon. It sounds like you don't think it's any t- coming anytime soon. But like, do you see anything that could move supply upward in the coming year or so? Uh, so I, I think I think I told I told another group I talked to last week uh, in DC, I think we really need new construction. We, we it's all about Yukon, right? I, we got to get uh we got to support uh, new construction as much as possible. Uh, right. Look, before the pandemic, we came into the pandemic with massive underbuilding. I saw a paper uh, by the uh, Chicago Fed president, uh, Austin Goolsby, that basically said, you know, construction productivity growth has lagged the rest of the U.S. economy over the last 40 years. Right. Why is productivity so sluggish in the construction sector? Uh, you know, there are many reasons, right? There are, you know, you have geographic constraints to building. Uh, climate change could be another one, right? Especially going forward. Uh, but you also have these land use, uh, rules, right? That prevent building, prevent supply from responding quickly enough to increases in demand. And I think that's where that's, that, you know, that provides an opportunity. That's where there's an opportunity. Uh, for us to make some major changes in order to allow supply to catch up. Uh, so, you know, my hope is in new construction. Unfortunately, though, uh, you know, with mortgages increasing, builders uh, are kind of pulling back a little bit, right? You're looking at, uh, if you look at starts and building permits, we're about at the same pace that we were at in 2019, uh, and yet we're short, not almost 900,000, almost a million existing homes. And so all that new building is probably not going to fill the gap, uh, uh you know, th- that's missing. And so, uh, so whatever we can do to support builders in this high cost environment 
is uh, is what I'm basically preaching right now, you know? Yes, support the builders. I can tell you why builders are terrified because unless you're a national home builder, uh, the smaller builders like that we syndicate, you know, we syndicate a lot of um, new construction and it's been brutal. It's been absolutely brutal. Lot prices are high. Construction materials are still really high, but just a year ago, we couldn't even get them. We would have paid anything just to get them couldn't because we weren't the national builder that could buy all your materials in advance. Uh, so it's been brutal to bring on new construction, not to mention then the cities want to put the affordable housing on us. So in order to even get approvals, we need to provide 30% affordable housing in, an, in a time where that's impossible. You know, how how are we supposed to build something affordable when all the costs are so high? So it's really, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Support the builder. <laughs> we're, we're struggling out there. Yeah, land costs are rising, right? And so yes. that, that, that's a big, big issue. So we need to find more buildable land. Now, how do we do that by uh, reforming zoning rules? Uh, you know, at, at least that, that would be the first step, right? And so, uh, you know, one thing that we saw though builders do really, really well when uh, cost increased in 2022 is builders pivoted into higher uh, density. They really leaned into higher density. Uh, construction starts fell 12% for detached single-family homes and increased 3% for attached homes, right? Townhomes and condos. And so builders are pivoting. Builders are trying to make the math work. Uh, they're creating beautiful spaces, but also really trying to work with buyers in terms of their... Uh, meeting them where they're at when it comes to their kind of their budget constraint, right? And so you're also seeing builders offering all types of incentives right now. Uh, you know, but, you know, rate buy downs, uh, offering to pay some of the closing costs. And, uh, and so that's, that's helping. Uh, yeah. but, but unfortunately, maybe not enough, right? To, uh, <laughs> to heal this housing market completely. Yeah. And then not to mention that the, the cost to borrow is getting harder and more expensive too. That's right. Uh, but that's really going to be the solution is bringing on new construction. Uh, I, 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 we just saw the most recent report with actually permits seem to be higher, but new starts were down. And that seemed to be mostly in the multifamily because once again, to build a multifamily building and have the high cost of construction plus the high cost of debt, the numbers just aren't really working out. So all that new supply, uh, just it's slowing down. It appears. I, it, it, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think builders are going to be able to get up and running? No, I, I think, I think we're going to continue to see multifamily slow down. Uh, by 2022, we had the most multifamily construction in almost 40 years in terms of starts and permits. Uh, and now with rent growth cooling, right? Apartment rent growth has cooled some substantially. Uh, I think multifamilies or multifamily starts are going to continue to pull back. Uh, now the good news is there's still some units, uh, some projects under construction right now that are going to come on the market. So good news for renters. Uh, maybe not as good, uh, for landlords. I mean, landlords are still sitting in very good, uh, very comfortable position. Uh, it's just that they're probably not going to be able to raise the rent as much as they had in the past uh, couple of years. Well, that, that brings up a good point, Orfe. Do you think? Rent is at any risk of going down or just slowing growth? Uh, so it really depends on the units, right? If you look at the single family units, uh, rent growth is back to normal. If you look at uh, apartments, uh, rent growth has slowed uh, close to zero. Uh, so 
you know, you, you know, it, it really depends on what kind of unit you have out there. I think a lot of families, uh, are, have been, uh, cannot, don't have the down payment, have been priced out of the housing market or going to want to live in a town home or a single family, uh, house, right? Uh, you're not going to have as many people going into these, uh, you know, apartments, uh, you know, and so I think that if you're a landlord and you have some townhomes and, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, townhomes, condos, maybe spaces, spaces, right? Places with a little bit of space, uh, you're probably going to do better than uh, someone with an apartment. What sort of regional differences are you seeing in the market in general? You know, are there areas where you think there is sufficient construction or new supply coming on board versus others that are particularly constrained? I think Newcon, uh, when you think about the, uh, the Northeast, I think the Northeast is just doesn't build enough, mm. right? Uh, you know, you look at all of the Northeast region historically just hasn't built enough. The, it, the South on the other, the Midwest has been affordable for a while. Now it's actually getting pricier because everybody's moving into the Midwest because it's still relatively more affordable than other places. Uh, but I, I love the South. I love the South because the South is building rapidly. Uh, you know, I, I look at units in Nashville, for example. Nashville, I mean, population growth, you know, is there. Uh, you, you, I was recently there. I look around and there's construction everywhere. Uh, and so the South is, the South, I think, is going to continue to carry, uh, carry the, I should say, carry the U.S. economy. And why do I say that? I, I really, I'm a firm believer that housing is the heartbeat of the U.S. economy. You know, if you look at all this, everything that that's going on right now, the fact that, you know, uh, uh, rents, the rent components of inflation are basically uh, 40% of core inflation. And the reason why policy is as restrictive as it is right now, uh, you know, the fact that uh, affordability challenges prevent workers from moving to where the jobs are, the most productive jobs are, uh, all of that to me uh it's it's one of the reasons why I love studying housing. You know, I really think that housing is kind of the key to uh, to the health and growth of the U.S. economy. I, I love the South and Southeast too. Are, would you say, uh, from a demographic perspective, that's still where people are moving, or are they just moving everywhere, <laughs> Midwest, Northeast? I mean, totally right. Like we, you know, you look at population growth. Uh, I don't have the latest numbers, but you know, the the South, the South is where people are moving. Uh, and, uh, and I think we're going to continue to see that, uh, go, going forward. Now, of course, now climate change is playing a little bit of a role. Uh, you know, you have the Florida hurricanes and the, the issues with insurance costs rising in some parts of the country, uh, or even insurers refusing to insure people anymore. Right. And so I think that's going to, uh, to be a big headwind going forward, uh, for, for housing, for the U.S. economy as a whole. Um, Recent research shows that basically people now take climate risk into account, into consideration when they think about their moving decisions. Uh, and so I think that's going to become, uh, that's going to grow in importance uh, for the housing market and the U.S. economy. I'd love to dig in a little bit on what you said about the Midwest, because you said people are moving there as well, and it's relatively affordable. What do you, what is your read on the the housing market in the midwest in general i mean i love a place like columbus ohio for example i mean you got some big businesses in the columbus region 
you know, I heard Intel is moving to, to Columbus. You know, you got mm-hmm. uh, healthcare industry. You got Ohio State University. You have big government employer uh, in Columbus. I mean, you know, th- there are places like that that are just and and it's still so much more affordable mm-hmm. than everywhere else, right? And so, you know, I, I I look at places like that and I think, oh my gosh, right? So th- I think you have these places that, and, and maybe it's not necessarily people moving there, but even because uh, it's still so affordable, the locals are just going to buy up, <laughs> you know, uh, or, or having an easier time uh, keeping the housing market moving in, in those areas, right? And so... So that's why that's why I think I think the Midwest could use uh, some more Yukon because un- unless it builds more, it's going to become kind of like the rest of the country where things are just not going to be as affordable anymore. You look at our rent measures, year over year price increases, month over month price increases in the Midwest are, uh, are maybe not as hot as they were during the pandemic boom, but pretty hot still uh, compared to everywhere else. But yeah, builders maybe aren't as attracted to building in the Midwest where it's needed uh, because where's the profit when it's so affordable, when it's still Mm -hmm. pretty affordable there? That's right. Yeah, because Kathy, it's not proportionally cheaper to build in the Midwest than it would be in the South. Yeah. And I I mean, their builders are in it for the profit. They're going to go where they can get more money. And yeah, so that does leave an opportunity for those buying existing homes in in the Midwest. Certainly there's going to be demand. Yeah. When we talk about barriers to building, right, there's there's also, you know, you look at uh, laws that prevent uh, homeowners from building ADUs, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I like ADUs. I feel like ADUs are a boon for both renters and homeowners, right? It raises your home value. And at the same time, you're providing, uh, you're pro- providing a unit, uh, most of the time below market rent for, uh, potentially a low income renter. Uh, and so, you know, I think, I, I think the ability to build ADUs everywhere in the country should be the norm, right? Uh, mm-hmm. in so many places, ADUs are still illegal or too difficult to build. You know, so often economists look at numbers and they analyze and rarely actually jump into the game. But before this call, you said, hey, I'm so excited. First of all, I'm a big fan of Dave. I loved that, that you said that. <laughs> but also uh, that you are a big fan of investing and yep. buying rental property. So with all the information you have, tell us what you're doing. What, how are you getting into the game? So, so first of all, I think you need a good, you need a good agent, an investor-friendly agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's number one. You, you got to find somebody who's uh, familiar with the area uh, that you're looking at, you have to have somebody, you, 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 a good network, which is what I love about the bigger pockets uh, community. You know, good strong network, builders, agents, mortgage professionals uh, who uh, who understand uh, uh, investing in in real estate. And so, so, some of the things that I've been doing lately is just going around. Uh, so I, I used a couple of work trips, right? <laughs> to after my work trips, I get together with an agent and I go around the town, right? That I'm that I'm interested oh, in. Nice. And uh, and I and I connect with people and uh, to try to find out, you know, where are the best deals? What are you know? Where are the the, the areas that are up and coming? Uh, where uh, where you know you could potentially. Uh, own a place. Also, another piece of advice, and I, you know, again, that's for me, and and maybe I got that from the Bigger Pocket Pockets podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is uh, 
you know, because rates are so high right now, maybe shifting the focus on some people focus on cash flow. Uh, but I think shifting the focus on like, you know, where are these appreciation markets, right? You may not be able to cash flow on day one, but you're going to raise the rent two to three percent every year. Uh, you know, you'll be able to and, and, and your, uh, your home equity is going to continue to increase, right? Uh, over time. Uh, and so you, you know, looking at these appreciation markets, uh, I tell a lot of people, uh, one, one thing I, I, I've said recently, uh, at another talk I gave is like, you know, look, home ownership is how most Americans got to make and keep their wealth, right? And so, it, you know, it's, it, that's just the, that's just the way things have been done in this country. There's huge tax advantages, uh, to being a homeowner. Uh, and so, or even right, or an investor, a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. There are ways. There are so many ways uh, to make the math work. And so, just getting in the game, I think, is really, really important. Uh, but again, like, in best advice is find that community, find those people in the industry that can uh, that can help you and kind of open the door for you. I love that boots on the street. You know, here's a, an analyst who you got access to data, right. but you still need that <laughs> boots on the street information. Absolutely. And that's what we tell everybody at Zillow, right? So uh, Zillow wants to support, uh, you know, the agent community. We work with agents. Uh, when, you know, I, I tell people the first thing you need to do is uh, get people on your side. You want us, you want an agent. Uh, who knows the market really well, the market you're interested in very well, especially in an environment where inventory is 40% below what it was in 2019, right? You don't have a lot of homes on the market. So you want a strong agent on your side. You want a strong loan officer on your side. You want somebody to help you figure out the math, figure out what it is that you can afford. Uh, and so you need those two people on your side. Great tool that Zillow put out recently uh, is a search by monthly cost calculator, right? So what we do is we're, we're allowing people to go ahead and search, uh, put in what it is that they can afford on a monthly basis, and it will show them all of the available inventory uh, okay. that will fit within their budget. You know, you put in a couple of assumptions here and there, like the current uh, prevailing mortgage rates, et cetera, et cetera. And then you, you can start your search there rather than flying blind. Uh, but again, you cannot replace, you cannot replace, even with all this technology, you cannot replace the agent, the community uh, to help you uh, understand the environment better. That's great advice. So are you, are you officially a landlord now? Are you a property owner? Yeah, yeah I have, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I am working with, I, I have somebody I work with to help me with uh Finding properties, buying properties. Uh, she's also a property manager and she's also built units, uh, in, in the Nashville area. So, oh, um, cool. so I love the Nashville area. It's a be- beautiful place, uh, and still growing, uh, tremendously. Awesome. Well, congratulations. We're going to maybe have to get you on the other podcast as you, <laughs> as a, as a success story in a few years, as your portfolio grows, I'm a beginner, and uh, and so and I'm learning from bigger pockets, of course. Uh, you know, again, g- great resources, uh, and so uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, oh, I love that so much. Uh, I, I'm just curious. I still see so many people just in fear, but it comes across as hate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on threads and on, you know, on social media and so forth. I posted. 
um, you know, an article that Warren Buffett was investing in new home builders because clearly he thinks new supply is needed and that there's not a lot of supply that's going to come on just from foreclosures or whatever people think is going to happen. So what do you say to people who are still just thinking that there's a housing crash around the corner? You know, absent absent a big shock, right? Absent a big slowdown in the labor market uh, coming from something completely unexpected. Uh, I, I just don't see it, right? And, and, and I, I guess what, what I would say is demand still exceeds supply. So, so, so demand fell, but supply fell even more. Mm-hmm. And as long as demand exceeds supply, builders, uh, will not leave money on the table. They will build, uh, more efficiently. That's what we saw in 2022. Uh, we saw builders actually more units being started offsite as opposed to onsite, right? We saw builders building fewer bedrooms. Smaller units with fewer mm-hmm. bedrooms. They built taller units. Uh, you're right. Re- leaning into higher density, doing with what they have, uh, in order to, uh, to build beautiful spaces, uh, that, uh, are not just what buyers want, but what buyers can afford. Right. And so I think builders have the ability to make, to make the math work for home buyers. Mm-hmm. And so builders are really, uh, where this is going. And, and we saw that. I mean, new home sell. Existing home sales down, new home sales up. Why are new home sales up? Because well, more units are coming on the market and builders are making the math work for home buyers. Uh, so I, I, you know, I have a lot of hope here that as long as demand exceeds supply, builders won't leave money on the table. They will continue to build and they will continue, and we're going to continue to see home sales, uh, new home sales, uh, increasing. Uh, again, lately we saw the, the, the shock, right? Investors had to, uh, come to the realization that the U.S. economy was uh, more resilient than they had expected. And so that <laughs> shock pushed mortgages higher, and that's what's slowing down uh, housing starts a little bit. But I think that as things adjust, uh, so long as demand is so resilient, which it is, mortgages are increasing because uh, the consumer is still so strong, uh, then I think builders will continue to build, especially in the single-family space. And I, and I think that's what, I, I hope at least, that's what's uh, fueling the uh, enthusiasm, you know, uh, for mm-hmm. for builders uh, when you look at uh, what Warren Buffett is doing. So do you want a strong economy or low rates? I guess that's the big question. Let's, yeah, let's go with strong it's, economy. It's a- <laughs> Absolutely. A strong economy all day long, right? Like, you know, you want strong income growth, real income growth. You want strong uh, stock market performance uh, because those are the things that drive housing demand, uh, propel housing demand forward. I totally agree. If we can get back to a point where housing growth is more predictable, housing is more affordable without a huge crash in housing prices, that just seems like the ideal situation at this point, given where we are. Totally, totally. All right. Well, Orfe, thank you so much for being here. This was very enlightening and also a lot of fun. We appreciate it. If people want to follow your work at Zillow, where should they do that? Uh, yeah, Zillow Research. Uh, you know, zillow.com slash research is, is where all of our research is, is online. And then we also have, uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn. You know, uh, I, I usually answer questions, uh, from people. You know, I, I post quite a bit on the, on my LinkedIn platform and I'm happy to talk to, talk to people, answer questions and, and discuss and, and learn, learn really, uh, from others about where, uh, 
you may, you know, where, where I may have blind spots, right? About, about the future of the housing market in the U.S. economy. Uh, so I, I love engaging with people. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. Well, that was just a good time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that interview. I just love that this senior economist at Zillow is a big fan of Bigger Pockets and a huge fan of Dave Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still can't believe anyone is a fan of me, which is very surprising. And clearly you haven't met me in person, but uh, I, that was awesome. I just love that he is so wise about the the economy, knows everything there is to know, and is still is someone who's eager to get into investing right now and had such good advice. You know, he I feel like he maybe he watches the show, but he clearly understands what it takes to be an investor, even in this type of environment. Yeah, no, I love it. I've interviewed so many economists and and I'm always just shocked with the data that they have that they're not just avid investors. So that was Right? Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. There's like so many of them who I don't know, maybe you don't want to like put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. You study the housing market, you don't want to be invested in it, but I mean, on this show we always talk about the opposite. Kathy, you told me you had like less than half percent of your net worth in the stock market or something like that. So so (laughs) clearly you don't subscribe to that belief. I I have diversification in markets, right? (laughs) Property type. That's good. One of my favorite things that Orfe said was that you need a great team, as you obviously know, Kathy. And if you need to find a great investor-friendly agent or an investor-friendly loan officer, you can find either on BiggerPockets for free. Just go to biggerpockets.com slash agent if you need to meet an agent. Biggerpockets.com slash lender if you need to meet a lender. Just enter a little bit of information about yourself and for free, you will get matched with someone who knows how to work with investors. So if that describes you, go check it out. All right. Well, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate your time and this was a lot of fun. And thank you all so much for listening. We hope you learned a lot and had as much fun as Kathy and I did. And we'll see you for the next episode. On the Market was created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. The show is produced by Kaylin Bennett with editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting is by Calico Content, and we want to extend a big thank you to everyone at Bigger Pockets for making this show possible. With today's rates, we're all looking to save on our lender fees. But don't let the low-rate lenders fool you. They could cost you a lot more in the long run. So before you buy, find an investor-friendly, peer-reviewed lender at biggerpockets.com lenders. Using BiggerPockets Lender Finder, you'll instantly get matched with a lender based on your investing criteria. And with ratings and reviews from other investors, you'll know they're legit. Check out this recent story from one of our BiggerPockets members. She tried out a new low-cost lender in her market, only to lose six figures on her next deal due to closing complications. In her words, I learned the very hard and costly way. Don't make the same mistake. Head to biggerpockets.com lenders and connect with investor-friendly lenders who specialize in your strategy and have the best financing options around, regardless of whether you're buying your first, fifth, or hundredth property. Use BiggerPockets Lender Finder for free at biggerpockets.com lenders. That's biggerpockets.com lenders.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.